0: I would ask that you would uh, turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, our text for these uh, weeks in the summer as we've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit and uh, as we explore each of these fruit as virtues that we must have in our lives as we call ourselves uh, Christians. And so uh, we have been looking through these. We have dealt with the uh, fruit of love, joy, peace last week. We find ourselves in the middle of this series looking at the subject of patience. Uh, As you turn to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, we find ourselves in our text. So as the kids head off uh, to worship, I'd ask that you would stand uh, for the reading of God's Word as we uh, get into our text this morning. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let's pray for God's blessing on our time. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths that are displayed and articulated in Galatians chapter 5. And Lord, as we look at these couple verses... During our summer months here, Father, I pray that these would become truths, these virtues, these fruit that You have displayed to us through Your Son, Jesus Christ, that we would begin to display in our lives. Lord, I pray today, we are an impatient people. We live in an impatient world. And Father, You have called us to be patient. Lord, this patience is what will then allow us to be kind It is that which will allow us to have joy amidst troubled times. It allows us to display love to those even when they hurt us or uh, they cause uh, trouble in our lives. Father, it is this patience that teaches us Your patience. Father, it reminds us that You have been patient with us. Though we are sinners, though we disobey Your way each and every day, You are patient with us. Though we deserve death, you give mercy and grace. Your patience is seen throughout all the world towards all people. And so, Father, we want to be like You. And so, Lord, we pray through Your Word and through Your teaching that we would be a patient people and that people would see it not because it's based on a temperament of who we are, but because of the personal work of Jesus Christ in our lives. So, teach us some truth this morning so that we may go and we may be able to live lives differently because we've been transformed by that word that you've taught us. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. For most of us, when we think about being patient, the very thought of patience begins to make us feel uneasy. We begin to ask the question, why must, I be imp- why must I be patient? And the question that I thought of this last week as I got to this text was, why would Paul put as a spiritual fruit, this fruit of patience? Really, is it all that important? Is it all that Christian uh, for us to not fidget in the waiting rooms of life? As a child who uh, suffered with ADD, uh, I was very impatient. Even as an adult, I find myself impatient. And so what is it about this patience that makes it such a great virtue and a spiritual fruit? What was Paul thinking when he wrote to the people of Galatia and he puts in this incredible list under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit this word patience? My question was, how could our maturity, God, as believers, be measured by our ability to be patient, whether in the, again, the waiting rooms of life or gridlock traffic or when people hurt us or people cause us trouble? How can that be a virtue? And yet clearly, Paul sees this word patience, this attribute, this fruit, as totally valuable to the Christian life. To be honest with you, I don't want to preach this sermon. I'm an impatient person. I am impatient far more than I am patient. I hate long lines in the, grocery li- in the grocery aisles. I don't like gridlock traffic. I don't like it when people keep me waiting. I don't like it when someone is driving slower than they ought to be driving because you know that you're not going to get pulled over if you're anywhere from four to seven miles over the speeding, uh, speed limit. You know, I, I don't like patience. Patience slows me down. Patience causes me to not get to where I want to go at that moment. I have a real trouble with waiting. I don't know about you, but patience is one of these virtues that is very difficult for me. It is easy to admire. It is very hard to manifest in our life. I love patient people, don't you? Patient people are great. You can be late for them. uh, You can hurt them. You can do them wrong, and they just say, it's okay. No problem, I can sit here and wait patiently, but how hard is it for us to be patient with others? We love to admire patience in the lives of those around us, but it is very hard for us to be patient with those, especially those closest to us. So how are we to understand this idea of patience, this fruit of patience? How can we understand it, as Paul did, as a miraculous and essential work of God in the lives of His people? We must ask some questions this morning, and the first one that we come to is, how do we define patience? How do we define patience? For many, the definition of patience can be a lot of things. The Bible makes it clear both by example and word that what this virtue is and how it should look and how it must then be defined. But over the years, many people have assumed what patience is and what it is not. In fact, Ambrose Bierce once commented that patience was a minor form of despair disguised as a virtue. A minor form of despair disguised as a virtue. Still others believe that patience is a feeling. It's just a feeling that we have. We can find ourselves in the state of feeling calm and at peace. But I want to assure you of something. Patience is not a feeling. It is an act of the will. Whether or not you will be patient with those around you, patient with the plans and will of God, is going to be dependent not on how you feel about things, but about the action of your will, of a decision that you have made in your head and your heart towards a certain uh, situation and how you will respond. Now, others think that because patience is a fruit, that if you're a believer, it will come naturally to you. Christians will inevitably be patient people. That's not true. Some of the most impatient people I know are Christians. And so as we've learned with these fruit, uh, this fruit will begin to take form in our lives and we will be able to have this fruit. But it's something that we must work at every single day of our lives. And so whether you're old or young, we have a place to grow in our patience with one another. Still others think that uh, we, uh, that uh, as patience, it's, it's an external behavior. But this is flawed. Just because we see patience manifested uh, throughout external behaviors, we, we can't read the hearts and minds of people. But if you really were to think about it, patience begins in our hearts. It begins in our hearts because we will make a decision before we will ever show it to the people around us. We will make a decision in our hearts and minds on whether we are going to respond with a patient heart or an impatient one. It begins deep down inside. Patient people are those who care a great deal for the circumstances, even though the world says that patient people really just don't care. A patient person, someone may say, well, they're indifferent. They don't really care about what's going on. And yet one who is patient is probably thinking about the circumstances far more than the person who is impatient. Because impatience usually means you're just responding uh, to the situation at that moment. You haven't thought through the moment, and so your impatience has caused you to blurt out a word, has allowed your anger to overflow. It has caused you to be angry with somebody, and as a result of that, you've just reacted instead of responding as a patient person would. So then how are we to define patience? The first thing we must do, anytime we deal with a word in the New Testament, we must go back to the Greek word uh, that is there. Now this doesn't always work uh, if you were to look at uh, a word in the Greek because sometimes there's uh, difficulty in the translation of a word from Greek uh, to English. But we get the word patience Uh, Not from a one Greek word. There's no Greek word that says that's patience. But it's two Greek words put together. And the word that's been compounded together is macrothumia. Macro in the Greek literally means long. It means great. Thumia means anger. And so the idea here is a patient person is one who has a long fuse before they get angry. A long fuse before they, if you will, explode. It's going to take a lot in a person's life as they live out this macrothumia for them to get excited, for them to lose their patience. Now this word is seen in many different ways. In fact, 14 times in the New Testament, this word macrothumia is used and patience is one of them. Another word that is used for macrothumia is endurance. Long endurance, the ability to endure difficult times and difficult circumstances and not to explode, not to give up and give in. Another word that is used is forbearance. Forbearance is another synonym of this Greek word uh, that we get patience from. Still yet another one is perseverance. And then the one that was used in the King James Bible when it was being translated was the word long-suffering. That means you can suffer, you can endure difficult times, and you can do it over a long period of time before you find yourself at wit's end. So how does the Bible define patience? In light of all that we've just looked at. I want to put this definition up for you. Patience, here as the Bible articulates it for us, is a calm endurance in various circumstances that is based on the certainty that God is in control. What that means is, first of all, patience means you are calm. Well, what it means is that you are not going to be easily riled up. When someone hurts you or someone does you wrong, your first response is not one where you lose uh, your temper, where you blow your top, but patience is calm. It's an endurance, meaning it is something that is able to uh, take on all kinds of issues and problems, and it can hold strong. So patience isn't something that just per se comes easy in the moment, but it's something that causes us to endure. It happens in various circumstances. You have to show patience to your family to your children, to your wife or your husband. You have to show it to those that are closest to you, but you also must show patience to people you have never met. Uh, Many times in gridlock traffic, we find ourselves impatient with people we don't even know. The story is once told of a man who was at a busy intersection uh, during rush hour traffic. When he was about to take off for the green light, his car stalled. He sat there and he feverishly tried to start up the car to no avail. And people behind him were angry, honking their horns and all of that. And so what the man finally did is got out of his car, went to the car behind him who was honking at him. And he says, can you do something for me? I'm not really good at at cars. I really don't understand cars. It won't start. But how about you go try to uh, start up the car. And while you're doing that, I'll honk and scream at you. We are impatient with people we don't even know. We're impatient when we're sitting at the restaurant and our food hasn't come, and we don't know the circumstances behind it. We're impatient when uh, someone said they would be at an appointment at 10 o'clock and they're not there. Again, we don't know the circumstances, but across all circumstances, whether at work or at play, with family and friends or people we don't know, we have to be patient. Patience comes in waiting on good things. It's patience in enduring the bad things. It's various. But what is patience based on? Where do we get it? My friends, it is based on the certainty that God is in control. So you want to run that red light to get to that meeting that you have. Because you're late for the meeting. And it may not be your fault. It's, it's the problem with uh, that accident that took place. It's that problem with um, the directions that you were given. Whatever the issue is, that meeting cannot be more important to you than it is to God. And so the question you must have is when you want to become impatient is, God, you know I'm running late. You know that I'm inevitably going to be late for this meeting. I trust that if I want to follow your ways, I have to be patient. And in doing so, I trust that I'm not going to uh, lose the account. I'm not going to uh, find myself in trouble. And if I do lose the account, Lord, you're in, tr- you're in control anyway. And so it's this understanding that God is in control. You're not going to change uh, time by trying to be impatient with individuals If God has allowed those circumstances to take place, so we need to understand that God is in control He's going to work out the details And so our job isn't to try to manipulate those details to get where we need to go or to do what we need to do But what it is is to be patient with him Patient with our friends and our neighbors and patient with those people that we don't know So it brings us to a second question about patience. What makes it so difficult? What makes patience so difficult? Again, I'm not sure about you, but if I was to take a survey of our people today, patience would be something, uh, and it would be for different reasons and in different circumstances, but patience would be something that we probably all would say that we struggle with. Why is that? What is it about our lives? Uh, What is it about uh, the world that we live in that causes us to find ourselves so impatient? Well, the first thing of two reasons why I believe patience is so difficult is it goes against the human condition. It goes against the human condition. I don't think you remember the days, but I'm sure if you're a parent, you remember the days of raising your children. But when we are babies, we are impatient people. Uh, I've had the opportunity with my wife uh, to uh, have three little babies in our house, three little baby boys. And during the course of their time as babies, not once did I hear those babies say, I know you're busy. And I know it's late. I, I check the time. It's 2 in the morning. I'm hungry. But you know what? Mom, Dad, you guys have had a long day. You guys sleep. And I'll talk to you around, let's, let's say 9 o'clock. Can I get a breakfast at 9? That's not what babies do. Babies yell and scream the moment they have a need, the moment they have a want. They scream and they yell and they say, I need you now. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care how tired you are. The baby says, and if you think about it, the baby is living according to its nature. It's living, it doesn't know anything different. It's not doing it to hurt your feelings. I know there's some moms that may wonder that. But the baby isn't doing that to make your life miserable. All it's concerned about is its own issues, its own agenda. And so as babies, as people, we find ourselves that we are so concerned about us that we find ourselves if what I need isn't taken care of, then I'm going to become angry. We see that with our children. <laughs> I, I, I hate grocery stores. Grocery stores are are very smart. They market things that children would love to have, that parents would hate for them to have, as you wait in the checkout line. And then they only have three of the 4,900 checkout lines open. Amen? Okay, I don't know why they do that, okay? Walmart, one of the greatest uh, uh, free market capitalist corporations around, has 400 checkout lines, and there's only two that are open. And then what they have is every vice that a children would want a child would want, sitting there, suckers and sugar and everything that you have no need for. and then you have to sit there for 45 minutes and tell the child no," and then they scream and they yell, and the older person behind them just looks at them and said, "When my children, were, we didn't deal with these things." Well, you didn't have Disney World in the checkout line when you went through it when you were a, a, a parent. I don't know how many times a man says, I think we're being judged. And I say, well, I've been judged all my life, so it doesn't matter. Get beyond it. But, but nonetheless, uh, these things uh, inevitably will break our patience, just as they do with children. We want our needs to be met. We want what we want, and we want it now. That brings me to the second thing, that the reason why patience is so difficult, and that is that it goes against our culture. We want, as the the motto says, our way, help me out, right away. It's the Burger King slogan, have it your way, right away. And it's not just uh, when it comes to our fast food, but it comes to everything in life. We want it, and we want it now. It doesn't matter what it's going to take. It doesn't matter uh, what the reason will be. We want it and we want it now. And as a result of that, we hate things that keep us waiting. We see on TV all the time, buy now, pay later. Why? Because you're too impatient and I'm too impatient to wait the couple months To save up the money like it used to be done, we will just go and we will put our credit card down and we'll say, "I have to have it now. I can't wait for it." And yet we are hypocrites when we tell our children, "You know, it's just wait a little bit." It's easy to tell a child to wait on the newest game or the newest uh, toy that is in the toy section. But how about us when the big game is coming and everybody else has that big TV? And it says, you know, you buy it now, 12 months, same as cash. And we say, well, the Lord has obviously willed that I get this. And we're impatient. It's in all facets of our life. We are an impatient people, and we live in in an impatient culture. And that's why I believe God's Word says... Don't live like the world. Be different. And don't just be different in some ways, but be different in all ways so that they may see who you follow and whom you pursue. So that leads us to yet a third question. In what areas is patience to be displayed? I've got to be honest with you, as I thought about patience, had I not spent time studying this, It would have been a very simple sermon. It wouldn't have had many dimensions to it. And yet as I studied this word macrothumia and looked at it through the study of Scripture and all that it involves, there's a lot of things that we have to understand about patience. Patience has a huge place in the life of the believer. And even though it's difficult, and even though it's hard, Patience is that which will show the world that we have a calm endurance in various circumstances because we have based our certainty that God is in control. And so how do we show that? How do we show this calm endurance that is uh, evidence, or I'm sorry, that is founded on the certainty that God is in control? Where do we see it? First of all, we see it in times of trouble. And in times of trouble, patience is the virtue that helps us to not give up. We live in a world of trouble. Jesus said, as I shared last week, that a man is born to trouble. And in this world, we will have troubles. We live in a world of trial and tribulation. And patience is needed as we face trials of many kind. This was seen in the life of Job. Job. Job is living his life. He's a wealthy man. He's a man that loves his family and finds himself uh, just uh, serving the Lord because the Bible says there was no man as righteous as Job in all the land. And because of a conversation that the devil has with God and because of God's uh, providence in Job's life, uh, Job is handed over to the devil to be uh, given trials and tribulation. And so what happens? Job loses his family He loses all that he owns. His health begins to fail. And he finds himself losing everything in his life. And never in the book of Job do you see Job shake his fist at God. Nor do you ever see Job uh, getting angry and conspiring against his God. Even though his friends and even his wife says curse God and die. And Job says you foolish woman. One of my favorite lines in all of scripture. You foolish woman. I'm sure he got beat up by his wife after he said that, but added to the trials. He never loses his patience with God. Job was patient. It wasn't easy. It was probably one of the most difficult things he had to endure. And yet, we can take an example from Job in our own lives. Trouble that comes isn't always someone else's fault. Sometimes we get handed a bad break. We've had individuals in our church, some even sitting here in our service today, who have gotten bad reports from a doctor, who have gotten bad reports from uh, a boss or an employer. And our opportunity in those times of trouble are not to give up, not to say, you know what, God, I can't do it. I give up. Some of us are struggling with deep depression. Some of us are dealing with all kinds of troubles in this world. And the patience that this fruit is talking about is not to give up when things get tough. A couple weeks ago, uh, Amanda, my wife, uh, had the opportunity to go to the Dominican Republic for uh, her youngest brother's uh, wedding. And uh, because of cost, because of the time of the year, I, I couldn't go, and someone had to stay with the children while mom went and drank umbrella drinks and sat in the sun. And I said I would do that. And it was one of the busiest weeks of work that I have in, in the year, and uh, I found myself not really happy. It was the worst week of work, and I'm care- taking around three boys with me wherever I go. I know men, you're feeling for me. Women, you can care less. But everywhere they go, they're with me, we're trying to run the catering operation. I had an accident with one of my uh, vehicles. Uh, one of my crew leaders was driving. It just was a bad week. I get home on Friday, or I'm sorry, Thursday, and I come into my house and there's no power. I think, OK, it's a brownout, you know, it won't be that long. And then I've come to find out, after calling ComEd, it has nothing to do with brownout, because I'm seeing my neighbors, they're enjoying air conditioning, and I don't remember, it was like 90-some degrees, if you remember. Feel for me here. And my electric meter had shorted out. So I'm patient. Okay, how long will it take? An hour? Two hours? We'll go to McDonald's and have Playland and stuff like that. When can you be here? Uh, The lady says, uh, our techs don't work on weekends. I said, well, God bless you. (laughs) I said, I do work on weekends, and I want to come home to an air-conditioned house. And she says, I'm sorry, but probably the the time that the tech will be there, you may get someone to come out on the weekends, but it usually doesn't happen. It'll be Monday. And i got to tell you something. I lost it. I was furious. You know who I was furious with? God. God, I'm trying to be a good husband. I send my wife on a wonderful little trip, and this is what you do to me? You ram a car into another car. i got to pay for that, Lord. I'm just trying to be good to these boys. I said I was going to take them fishing, and boy, I barely got to the lake in time to be able to do that, and that didn't go all that well. And now I come home, and I just want to put these kids to bed, and now i got to hear that there's no electricity. Why are you doing this, God? I'm serving you. I'm doing this. Can I tell you, after I got done glad that comm lady wasn't on the phone. She would have mocked me. She would have laughed at me. Are you kidding me? You don't have a little electricity? I get on my phone message a prayer update from Keith. He talks about we don't have any electricity, no flushing toilets, no nothing, but God, we're serving the Lord and we're loving it. And I'm sitting there going, Tim, how weak are you? No electricity. Boo-hoo. Get over it. We are so quick to give up when trouble comes. Because we're an impatient people. Notice the next thing. In God's plan. When we come to God's plan, it helps us not to speed up. Patience helps us not to speed up. The prophets are a wonderful example of this. Now while they weren't perfect in their patience... They're spoken of in a couple places. I know we haven't spent a lot of time in the scriptures that goes against my way of doing things, but let's look at some scripture here uh, in this uh, point here. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. This is what the text tells us in regards to the prophets, in regards to this issue of waiting on God. You see, it's different than trouble because sometimes God is the God that loves to build anticipation in the hearts and minds of His people. And so God is a God of promises. Promises are not seen in the here and now. They're seen in a future time where there must then be lived out a life of patience, correct? And so if there are 7,000-some promises in the Scripture, God loves to make His people learn patience. Over and over again throughout the Scriptures, God says, hey, in this amount of time, I'm going to do this. At some date in the future, unknown to you, I'm going to do that. Even His coming one day is something that is promised that we have not yet seen in fulfillment, and we're called to be patient. And so notice what, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the writer of Hebrews says of the prophets. He says, we want each of you to show this same diligence To the very end, in order to make your hope sure, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and, what's that word there, patience, inherit what has been promised. God may have a plan for you, and that plan can involve many different things. My friends who are teenagers right now who find themselves in relationships with people of the opposite sex, there's this great desire to fulfill what God's plan is in the realm of the physical married life that you want to get to right now. And God says, I've promised something for you, it's wonderful, it's great, but it's not for right now. So don't speed up your time and get to some place that you will lose out on the blessings and the greatness of what I've planned for you in the future. But it's not just teenagers that we have to learn that from. It is difficult for us as a people of God not to rush God's plans. I have to be so very careful with this. I have to be so careful because I am so excited when I see God's hand in things that I just want to take God's hand and say, keep going, keep going, keep moving. Don't stop there, God keep going. Let's keep moving things. And I have to be careful because what we can do is begin to manipulate God. We can begin to manipulate what God has done and how he's led because we want to speed things up. We want to get to where he says that we're going to go a lot sooner. We're like my children. The moment that we get into the car heading out on a long journey, dad, we haven't even gotten out of the garage yet. Are we there yet? And so we mimic our children because we want to know, God, aren't we there yet? Haven't we been waiting long enough? And that's why we have to go back to the prophets. And remember, they waited for years. Not days, not weeks, not months, but sometimes up to 40 years. Some of them, the prophets are told of us, or told of the prophets to us, that they never were able to see what they had been promised but they still lived as they were supposed to. How many of us would live out our lives knowing that God may, at the end of the day, never let us see the fulfillment of what He's promised us in this life? Are we willing to wait? Are we willing to be patient? Even if it looks like we may not see it to the end? I love what James, turn to your Bibles, just a book over from the book of Hebrews, the book of James, chapter 5, verses 7-11 through tells us, in James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11, this is what James says to us Be patient, then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. And then he gives a picture, a metaphor, a, a, uh, again, a portrait, if you will, of what patience looks like. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. He says, brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. When we are wondering if God is going to fulfill what He says He's going to, we have to look at someone else's example and remember that even though Job endured all the difficulties, even though Abraham and Sarah waited uh, until they were a hundred years of age, God was faithful to fulfill His promises. And if we truly believe God is in control, if we truly believe that God's will will be done, then it must be then easier for us. And all the more important that we wait on the Lord. Let me just read from Psalm 130 very quickly. Psalm 130, uh, verses 5 and 6. You don't have to turn there, but you can write that in your outlines. Psalm 130 uh, says this in regards to waiting on the Lord. Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6. keep turning right beyond it here. I will wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in His Word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than a watchman waits for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Understand this. When we think that um, we're waiting on God's plans and His answer... We begin to think that what it means is I'll just sit back and I'll just wait. And so patience looks a lot like this. You just kind of come in, I'm going to be patient. All right, I'll just wait on you, God. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. But that's not what the psalmist says. The psalmist says, as a watchman waits for the morning. A watchman does not stand, or I'm sorry, sit and wait. Well, I, I think the sun's gonna come up. What is the watchman doing? He's doing his job. He's watching, he's watching to protect the area that is under his oversight. And so what we need to be doing is be vigilant in our times of patience. God says, I'm gonna do something, that's okay, God. I'm gonna be at busy at work serving you and doing what I know you want me to be doing until you fulfill that. A lot of us, when we're waiting on God, just sit and wait and don't do anything and that's one of the reasons why it's so difficult to be patient because your whole world stops and you become fixated on the one thing you don't have and then it's like every two minutes, is it there yet? Have you ever watched a pot boil? It's amazing you walk away and you do a couple other things it's boiling in a matter of a couple minutes you stand there and watch it. Come on, I'm waiting for it, it takes forever. It takes the same amount of time but it's because we become impatient. Finally, the one before I I get too far into this, uh, the one that we see many times is we must be patient when it comes to our enemies. Our enemies. And as a result of uh, the issue with our enemies, patience keeps us from being fed up. You're going to have people in your life that are going to hurt you. There are people in your life that are going to drive you up the wall this is huge for us as believers because in 1 Thessalonians, turn there for a moment, 1 Thessalonians, Paul tells, Paul tells the uh, saints at the church of Thessalonica something that we must remember as we understand this concept and this fruit of patience in 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 and 15. He says in, in this passage, chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, and we urge you brothers... Warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with your friends. Is that what the text says? Does it say be patient with those who have been patient with you? It says be patient with who? Say it again. Are you telling me the one guy at work that drives me up the wall? Yes. Are you telling me I have to be patient with those who take advantage of me? Yes. Those who speak evil about me? Yes. Those who misjudge me and accuse me of things that I've not done? Yes. Those who gossip against me? Those who lash out at me? People who take me for granted? People who hurt me? Even though they're called to love me, they hurt me, they take uh, advantage of me? People who are selfish, who pursue their own desires? at the expense of mine? I have to show them patience? Yes. You have to show them patience. Why? Because that's what God has done with us. God desires for us to show patience because that's how he has treated us. That's how he has lived among us. And so then the question must be, if we are uh, to be patient people, in fact, in fact, the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, speaking, it's probably very much a parallel passage to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. Paul's telling the church at Colossae, he says, hey, I want you to clothe yourself with some things. And he speaks about love and he talks about hope. But one of those that is, is duplicated from uh, the uh, fruit of the Spirit, he says, clothe yourself with patience. How do we do that? Even though it goes against who we are, it goes against our culture, even though uh, we've seen that even the patriarchs and the prophets struggled with it at times, how are we as believers to clothe ourselves with patience? And I've got a couple that I want to share with you because here it is. How do we defend against impatience? And the first way we defend against impatience is remember Jesus when your patience runs low. Remember, patience. remember Jesus when your patience runs low. The first thing that we must remember, that we must have in our minds, as we begin to feel our blood begin to boil because we've waited for a long time, is we must remember Philippians chapter 2 where the text tells us in verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourself. The first thing we have to remember when we're sitting behind that guy that's driving 10 miles below the speed limit is that that's someone's grandpa. That's someone who maybe is having a difficult day. That's someone who maybe is having car trouble. Can I tell you, I have never thought that when I'm sitting behind him. That's never my first response it is let's see how close I can get that I can actually start help push the person to move faster I told you I struggle with this one and I never think about I wonder what they're thinking about I wonder what their issue is because I'm never willing to humble myself and ask those questions I thought of this story that I've known for a while and I think it works well here a train was filled with people who were all tired Most of them had spent the day traveling through the hot, dusty plains, and at last evening had come and all tried to settle down for a good night's sleep. However, at one end of the car, a man was holding a tiny baby, and as the night came on, the baby became restless and started screaming at the top of its lungs. Unable to take it any longer, a big, brawny man, always has to be a big, brawny, bald man or something like that, spoke up for the rest of the group. And he asked the question in a stern voice, Why won't you just take that baby to its mother? There was a moment's pause. And then came the reply, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm doing my best. The baby's mother is in the casket in the baggage car in front of us. We've just come from the funeral and taking her to be buried. There was an incredible, awkward silence for a couple moments. Then the big man who had asked the cruel question got out of his seat moved toward the man with the motherless child. He apologized for his impatience and insensitivity, and then he asked for the privilege to take the baby and to hold it and to rock it to sleep so that the father could get a good night's rest. We're so quick to judge. We're so quick to go to that place of anger and hostility because someone is doing something that we don't like and we lash out at him and we say how angry we are about it. And, now, and never have we ever thought of the circumstances that that individual is living out. Jesus shows us how we are to be patient. Consider him who endured such opposition. He never gave up. He never grew weary. But he was patient with us every step of the way. Number two. Build relationships with patient people. Build relationships with patient people. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 shares this incredible truth with us. Proverbs twenty-four or 22, 24, and 25 says this. Let's see here. 22. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one who is easily angered. For you may learn his ways and you may yourself be ensnared. So he says, hey, stay away from people that blow their top. Stay away from those people who are impatient. But there's a valuable truth on the flip side of that. And that is, if you don't want to be hot-tempered, don't hang out with hot-tempered people. If you want to be patient, hang around patient people. Involve yourself with them. Young people... Some of the best people that we can learn from are those who have logged a lot of miles in life. I'm blown away. I think it's hypocrisy. But I'm blown away with my father's patience with his grandchildren. In comparison, by the way, to his patience with me. And I've told you this. My boys will be running up and down the walls and everything. And I will go, and I will go begin to reprimand them, and my father will look at me and say, how dare you break their wild spirits? (laughs) But it's just the way it is. And I think grandparents take some sort of Kool-Aid or something at some point, and I think they just learn it. It isn't all that important. Do you got to lose it? Do you got to make a big fuss about it? Sometimes yes. We just can't let our kids run amok. That's why God doesn't give children to grandparents. He gives them to parents the first time around. But we have to balance that. It's amazing what we can learn from those who have logged a lot of miles what it means to wait on the Lord. Because they're able to tell you what has come. Those that wait upon the Lord, God will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. They remind us of those things. Hang out with some patient people. Number three, release your patience appropriately. You're going to become impatient. And when you feel your patience running low, you have three choices. Write these down. I don't have a lot of time to interact with them. But the first choice you have is to suppress your impatience. Just take it and say, sitting in that office uh, chair, um, waiting for the doctor's appointment, and the doctor's running late for whatever reason, and you're getting mad and angry, and just keep pushing it down farther and farther inside. All that's going to create by suppressing it is bitterness. So that doesn't work. You have another opportunity And that is to express it, to let everybody know how angry you are, how upset you are that you've had to wait, how angry you are that things aren't going the way you want them to because you have some warped idea that the world revolves around you. And so when things don't go your way, you begin to tell everybody about that. That's fine, but you're going to hurt people over and over again. And the Bible speaks very um, specifically at how dumb it is for us to release our anger in that way. So the final thing that we can do is confess it. You're struggling with impatience? Someone is really driving you nuts? Tell them. You're really bothering me. Is there something that I'm not doing? Is there something that that, that I need to do at at this moment? Is, Is there something that I need to refocus my mind on? Be honest with people. I'm having a bad day. Things aren't going like I want them to. And so be patient with me it's amazing in our days of impatience we usually are relying a great deal on those around us to be more patient with us you ever thought about that because when you're impatient you become angry you become short you you're not fun to be with and so who are you relying on to be patient the world around you next get ready for your patience to be tested you're going to have bad days they're going to come. Don't think that because you're a believer, because you're serving the Lord, that God's not going to get, allow your, your trials in your life to test your patience. And finally, rely on God's help. Rely on God's help. This is a fruit. Only God can help us in our time of need. Let me close with this passage of Scripture. Psalm 145.8 says the following. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and rich in love. Do you know that every day you shook your fist at God and live in your sin, instead of following Him, God says, I'm patient with you. Every day, the Bible says the wage of sin is death. Every day that your heart beats and your brain functions is another day that God has been patient with with you understand that and recognize that and rely on the help from the attributes of who god is to live patient lives with those around you let's pray father god we come before you and we thank you for your word and lord i pray that we would be a people that are patient not because it comes easy for us from who we are it doesn't and so lord we rely on your spirit the fruit from your spirit to be able to be patient to be able to be kind, to be able to love and be good and gentle to those around us. So Lord, I thank You for this truth and what it's taught us and all that it means for us. And I pray that we would put it into action so that the world may see Your patience, Your love, and Your kindness so that You'll be brought great glory and praise in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.